We've been talking about this series, um, Stuck in the Middle. Oh, sorry, Unstuck. And today's title is Stuck in the Middle. And um, I want to, I uh, the, the refrain we're using is moving beyond what's holding you back. And we've spoken about a couple of things during this series. Um, and I encourage you to go and just listen to some of the words that came past. And how many of you are, uh, that went past uh, in the past couple of weeks? How many of you, um, you managed to fast a little bit this week? Fast something here and there? Yeah, I fasted this week and it was... Um, it was great, and we're going to continue for the last week. This is our last week of fasting, y'all, so I want to encourage you. Fasting helps you focus. Fasting disconnects you from the world, and it helps you connect with God. Fasting helps you to reprioritize the things that, are, that should be priority in our lives. And so I want to encourage you to fast. My kids, um, have been, <laughs> they were like, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to give up this, I'm going to give up that. I'm like, well, it doesn't help you much if you just give up something. You have to actually get something in the place of what you're giving up. So I want to encourage you, if you're going to fast, make sure that you set aside time to connect with Jesus. The ultimate reason for fasting is connecting. Uh, you know, it's not just the disconnecting. You disconnect to connect to something new. And that connection should be our relationship with God, pressing into some more word, pressing into some more prayer time. So take this last week with renewed, you know, resolve um, to, 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 to fast something and to connect with God during that time. I don't know about you, but I am just desperate for God to move. I'm desperate for God to show up. I'm desperate for God to change. I'm desperate, desperate for God to bring life. And uh, um, there's, there's so many things that, that is outside of our control. There's so many things in life that we need God to help and, uh, um, and so we're, we're, we're literally just looking at him and, 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 and petitioning him. And you know what the Bible says? If we pray according to his word, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the things that we have asked of him. And he's a good father. Amen. He wants to give you way more than what you're asking for. He wants to. And so don't be afraid to step boldly into that throne room of grace and ask for whatever you need in time of in, in, in help in, in your time of uh, in your time of need. Um, we, we, we've been um, talking about being unstuck, getting unstuck, and uh, today we're going to look a little bit about you know the story of Abraham and how that relates to to us. Um, but let me tell you, let me let me let me ask you this: Look at your neighbor, right? Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Some of you might think that that neighbor looks like a miracle. Some of you might think maybe that neighbor looks like he needs a miracle, <laughs> right? It doesn't matter where you are. You might be in that place where, man, you've just gotten unstuck. And, 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 and I want to let you know that your story is going to be a huge encouragement to people if they could just hear it, if they could just hear it. So during this time, I want you to be bold enough to, to you know, to reach out to somebody that you, to share some of the places and things that you've gotten unstuck with. There's nothing like the community of believers, the body of Christ ministering to each other. How many of you know that ministry isn't confined to this pulpit? Ministry is distributed among every chair that is here, which means that your story matters. Your victory matters. People need to hear it. And today you're going to hear a victory story of somebody that is that just came through so many things and has come such a long way to encourage you to not just you know uh, have faith for your own story, but to, to know that your story will have an impact on people around you if you just dare 
to share it. All right, and I want to encourage you during this season to share the story, to share the things that God has bring you out of because it is incredibly encouraging to people around us. All right, let's go to Genesis 12. Verse 1 says the following, The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. How many of you have had a, a, a sense that God was telling you to step out into something? And you were like, man, where do I go? Abraham went through a minute like this, where God said to him, I will show you, you just need to step out. When you step out, you step away from something, don't you? But you know what? Sometimes we're so emotionally attached to the things, that, to the places where we're at, that we struggle to step out. We struggle to step forward. I want to encourage you today because... In order for you to step into what the next thing and the new things are that God has for you, you unfortunately have to decide to let go of some things that you're at now, some places where you're at now, some parts of your identity where you're at now. You're going to have to let go of those things. Maybe some of the decisions you've made, some of the comforts that you've reached. If God calls us out, He calls us out into something that is amazing, that is glorious, that has purpose, that has, you know, destiny written all over it. But so often we delay that or we miss out on that because we don't want to let go of the comforts or the victories or the things that we have attained or the things that we've understood up till this point. God says to Abraham, look, I need you to leave your family. I need you to leave what's familiar. And I want to do something through you, man. I want to release something on this earth through you. And God is saying that to each and every one of us here today. God wants to release something through you, to your community, to your neighborhood, to your school, to your business place, to your um, whatever you're doing in life. God wants to release something to the people there through you. But it requires from you to step up and step out and leave the familiar so that he can start working that in you that he needs to produce in you so that it can be released through you. You know what? We're called to this thing called growth. I'm going to talk about that today throughout the whole message. But one of the things that it requires is change. It requires change. Things got to shift. Things got to move around. God is a God of movement. We, we established that in the first session, in the first series, uh, first sermon in this series. And God is always wanting you to move forward. God does not want you to stay where you are at. He wants you to grow. He wants you to move forward. And to go forward, there's something that sometimes we just have to leave behind. But here's what you can know, and this is a guarantee. Whatever God is calling you to is better and greater than where you are currently at. So don't be afraid to step out. This is what he said to Abraham. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. How many of you are tired of just always needing for yourself? And how many of you want to step out to becoming a blessing to other people? How many of you know the feeling that the Bible describes as it's more blessed to give than to receive. 
Come on. How many of you want to be at that place where you don't have to always be praying for God to save you, but that you can be the helping hand that helps pull somebody else up out of a hole? That desire only comes if you step out, if you start moving forward in your growth journey with Jesus. He says, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. You know what, I was, I was a, a student in college when um, somebody came one day and he shared a testimony in church of how God uh, uh, took him out of a situation and enabled him and, and strengthened him and, 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 and allowed him to become a blessing to people around him. It severely impacted me because I grew up poor. I grew up pretty poor and I was always in need always in need. But the problem was, I was not just in need in my pocket. I was in need in my mind. I had grown up with a poverty mentality, a mentality that said that I am always the one that needs to receive. You know what that mentality does to a person? It makes you stingy. I was so stingy I was so, so selfish. I was so self-centered. Everything was about me. Every, everywhere I looked, it was about how, are, how is God going to bless me? How is God going to help me? And all my prayers and all my pursuit of Jesus was always about me, my growth, my development, my help. <laughs> I hope that doesn't sound familiar to you. But if it does, then there's something inside of you that needs to shift. A desire needs to start birthing in the inside of you that wants to be more than just somebody that always needs a handout. Somebody that always needs help. And you know what? It's not wrong to be in that place. But I believe God doesn't want us to stay in that place. And I made a decision from very early on that I would not stay in this mentality. I would not stay in this place where I'm always the one that needs to be helped. But that I will become a help to other people. And it has been a lifelong journey of me. Because look, growing up poor really affects your thinking. Really it does. It does. You're always wanting to hold what you have because you worry that there won't be enough later on. And so you're always trying to, you're not generous, you're just turning everything second, third time to figure out, should I give this away? Should I spend this energy on that thing? Because you know what, later on, I'm going to have you know, no time for myself. Everything, every little resource that you have becomes Something that, you know, you want to protect and hoard for yourself. And I want to tell you guys that there is so much more on the outside of that mentality. So much more when you start opening up that hand, opening up that heart and say, Lord, I have so much to give to other people. Maybe I can just start by giving people some love, some attention. Maybe I can just start giving people some affection. Everybody has something that they can start being generous with. What is that thing that God has placed in your hand? Because he wants to be a blessing through you to the people around you. God made him a promise. And I believe God made each and every one of us a promise when he said, I came that they might have life and they might have it abundantly. I'm not talking about just material possessions. I'm talking about a fullness of the soul. A place of well-being on the inside where you can be generous 
where you live big-heartedly and big-mindedly with people around you. So Abraham went, as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham, um, Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and all the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan. And they arrived there. So right, God says to Abram, I want to send you out to this place. Abram says, yes, Lord, I'm going to do it. He picks up everything he has and he heads out into this new adventure that God has called him on. And then he arrived in Canaan and then everything just worked out from there, right? <laughs> Some of you have read Genesis before. No, that's about the time that everything starts going wrong. Or things start becoming completely different from what he had first thought would happen after receiving this call from the Lord. I want to make you great. I want to bless people through you. I want to make you a great nation. This was just the starting point. And you know what? The journey that God sets you out on is not just for you to actually go out and be a blessing. It's for you to grow into the blessing that he wants you to be. There is so much growth that needs to happen on the inside of us. And he is calling us to become more than what we are right now. I want to say something about the grace of God in a minute. Because some of us really struggle to see the more. Because we struggle to believe what Jesus has done for us on the cross. I'll get there in a second. But here's the, here's the reality. Most of us are... In this middle section where we feel like God has said to us some things, some things that he wants to do through us, and, 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 and yet we're, we're not seeing it yet. And, and in the middle of it, we've made mistakes and we've misunderstood and we've even done some things that we knew we shouldn't. And now we think like, man, you know what? I don't know if this middle is ever going to resolve into the end. You see, what we don't fail to realize actually is that, you know, every single biblical character that, that, that the Bible describes have most of the story is the story of the middle, right? You don't hear of David after he had accomplished everything that he, had, he, he, he needed to accomplish. The Bible says he died and he went to be with his fathers. And that's the end. We don't hear of him anymore. Okay, we can read his writings. Thank God he wrote some things down. But the bottom line is when the story ends, it's the end, <laughs> Most of life is actually lived here in the middle. Most of this existence is about the middle. And sure, there are like landmarks and moments where the, you know, we, we have maybe this part of it comes to realization. But you're always going to be in the middle of some process in your life. What does that mean? I don't know about you, but I grew up in a generation where, you know, um, hard work was expected. It was actually expected that life is, is hard. You know, uh, we, 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 we actually had, 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 had sayings like, you know, life is, life is like a, oh, what do you call those things in this culture? Uh, life is like a jawbreaker. It's hard, but it's tasty. You know what I'm saying? It's like, so we, it sounded a little different in my language, but it's like, how many of you eat jawbreakers? You know what our jawbreaker is, right? Those, those, those goon-like candy things. They're like 
rock hard and you, you know, kind of work at it. You work at it. You work at it. Some burn the heck out of you and open your sinuses and the others are just sweet like, you know, sweet like a lemon, one of my friends used to say. But you can't just bite into it. You have to work it, right? But the, the pleasure is in the working, right? It's a, the, minute you, you cr- the minute you get to crush it and it's gone, it's, it's like, then the pleasure is gone too. What do you do next? Pop the next one. Because the joy is actually the process. But with somewhere, I don't know where it happened, but somewhere we started thinking that no, life should really be the end. Most of life should be the resolution part. I actually think that's a lie. I actually think that there is going to be a middle for the rest of our lives. And there's going to be some aspects of this life that's going to remain hard till the very end. But you know what? The joy is in the working. The joy, the pleasure is found in the middle. It's in seeing the story, the layers of that jawbreaker. How many of you have had those different layers? It starts sour, right? Then it becomes sweet. And then it's another, t- another flavor. So they have these, keep going, and you discover all the flavors in that thing. But some of us are just like, no, this shouldn't be this hard. Let me throw that thing out. And what happens? Well, you lose the pleasure of the taste of it too. So the minute you just give up on this whole thing of working this middle, you also lose the joy that is to be found within the process. Most of life is lived in the middle, right? You become pregnant. Yay! <laughs> Happy days! And then after a short while, it's like, oh my goodness, can this just end? Right? And then, guess what? It ends. There's a baby. Yay! <gasps> then you go home. Oh my goodness, I don't know what to do with this thing. <laughs> There's always more layers to the middle. But you're going to live in the middle. You find a new job. Thank God I got an increase. I got a you know, whole new job, more pay, blah, blah, blah. You step into the office the next day and it's like, still work. <laughs> it's just another job. You, we have to learn that life is going to be lived in the middle. And we need to accept this. Because when you accept this, your expectation changes. How many of you have been hurt by somebody that was close to you? Okay, I've been hurt by somebody that's close to me. How many of you have had like a stranger or somebody else do exactly the same thing to you than that person that was close to you did to you but didn't didn't hurt that much? Why? Why did it hurt more when the person close to you did that thing than the same thing when another person that wasn't close to you did it, it didn't hurt that much? Why? Expectation. You expected more of the person close to you. And so when that happened, it hurt more, right? So when our expectation of life is wrong, life can be a nightmare. 
because we assume that it should be easy. We assume that it's wrong if there are challenges. We assume that something is amiss when I don't just get everything I wanted when I wanted it. No, let me tell you, that's the way life was designed. Why? Hear me out, people. God is more interested in your character than he is in your comfort. God is preparing you for a different world. God is not, God's purpose for you does not conclude with this world. He is preparing you for something so much greater and grander. And he's going to use the rest of your existence here on earth to prepare you. Embrace it. Welcome it. The more you welcome it, the more he's able to raise you up, the more character he's able to build in you, the more he's able to entrust you with. Remember the stories of the Bible when it says, look, he gave talents to this guy, that guy, the next guy. This guy did this with his five, ten, and this guy did this with his two, and the other guy, he did nothing. Why? Because he assumed that it should be easy. And when he realized it wasn't, he checked out. And he did nothing. Well, what happened to the guys who realized that it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be a working, it's supposed to be a process? God said to them, well done, good and faithful servant. Here, let me give you more. You were faithful with the little. I'm going to entrust you with more. Let me tell you, you cannot be faithful with the little if you're constantly thinking that it shouldn't be this way. You will try to get around it. You will try to avoid it. You will try to <laughs> get done with it as quick and as fast as you can. But it's not meant to be just done that way. It's actually meant to produce something on the inside of you that's going to be gold. Do I say that it's God's will for my life to be hard? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that it's God's will for you to find joy in the hardness that life is. This life is hard because it's not completely happening according to, God's, uh, to go toward, according to God's desire. Is it working according to His design? Absolutely. Will it eventually work out according to His plan? Absolutely. That's why He's sovereign. But does God want us to suffer? No. Are we going to suffer? Yes. Why? Because this world, unfortunately, is broken. This is not a perfect existence. And to expect perfection from something that's imperfect is a pipe dream. It's not going to come. So prepare yourself different for this life. Prepare your mindset different for this life. And you're going to start putting things in place for yourself. You're going to start uh, uh, developing mindsets for yourself that will help you to win regardless of the struggle of this world, regardless of the hardship that this life naturally comes with. Not because God wanted it, but because sin is in it. Y'all hear me? God wants you to prosper. But He does never ever anywhere guarantee and promise that it's going to be easy. He promises the exact opposite. He says, in this life, you will have trouble. But don't worry, I've overcome it. But our expectation needs to shift. We need to realize that and accept it. This life is not going to be easy. Don't think that there's something wrong or that you are being um, mistreated. 
barring some you know, obvious actions of mistreatment. But the, you know, intrinsically, you're not being mistreated just because your life is hard. Why? Because you're not entitled to an easy life. Where does it say that? Thank you. Come stand right here and preach with me. <laughs> really, it's dope. It, nowhere does it say we're entitled to an easy life. It doesn't. So I learned this lesson. Actually, I was in grade 10. I, I was in grade 10. And um, my English teacher, Miss, Mrs. Duplessis. Y'all know the, the last name Duplessis, right? Yeah. You know it? Mrs. Duplessis. She was my English teacher. Now, my first language is Afrikaans. Um, and it sounds a little bit like Dutch, but it's a whole different language. Um, but we weren't allowed to speak Afrikaans in our English class. Okay, So we had to speak English. We had to speak the Queen's English, by the way. Uh, proper diction and pronunciation was required. Um, and I was a rebel in grade 10. And so I would always on purpose say things wrong. And I would try to get under that teacher's skin just to irritate her and just to get response from her. And, you know, naturally it's because I liked her. You know, it's like, you know, one of those high school things. <laughs> Sometimes boys develop crushes on their teachers. And I just wanted attention from her. But I, I irritated the mess out of this teacher, right? Um, and I'm not proud of it. I'm, 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 I think it was ridiculous. And hopefully I raise my kids way more secure that they don't need that kind of attention from their teachers one day. But the bottom line is, she said something to me one day that rocked my world. She said to me, um, well, well, she did something, right? That was completely, completely out unfair toward me, right? In that minute, in that moment, I did not deserve to be treated by her like that. And guess what I said? Ma'am, this isn't fair. Right? So we were having now we were having an argument and she was like done with me and she just laid the hammer down. And I was like, we had an argument because she laid the hammer down. But I was up to that point, I wasn't doing that much. You know, the, the response was way more than the actual, you know, thing. She reciprocated like and I was just like, you know, Dee -dee. and so but naturally, she was, you know, adding all the DDDs from all the years. And she's like this massive way. She just crashed on me. And I was like, man, that's unfair. I, d I didn't do that much. And I should have said today, but I didn't, you know. And she just looked at me. And she said, you know what, JJ? Life's unfair. The sooner you accept it, the better. Now get out. All right. <laughs> so there I was like, my God. <laughs> and she taught me a real lesson that day. You know, life is unfair. Later on, I learned that God is good nonetheless. She didn't teach me that. I, I, that I had to learn later on. But the bottom line is life's unfair. The sooner you accept it, the better. Because when you accept it, you start positioning yourself to change. You start positioning yourself to respond, to grow. Otherwise, you'll stay stuck in a place where God never wants you to be. But you're the problem that you're stuck there. You're not letting go. Sometimes we look at the scene that's playing, you know, in front of us. And we mistake the scene for the whole story. You know, on Facebook and these places, you see scenes. You don't see the story. 
You see the nice Christmas card, you know, with a nice picture, you know, the perfect family. You don't realize that just before that, you know, someone was pulling hair and there was, you know, this threat and, you know, that cuss word and all that. And all of a sudden, just like, and all you see is the, and you think, wow, everything is. No, it's not. <laughs> right before then, somebody was crying and this, no, 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 no. Like when you step into church, you know, you come to the check-in desk and everything's just like, come on, he's checking your children. Meanwhile, the car, get your shoes on, we're getting out, we're leaving you here. <laughs> Not you, that's just me, I, I, know, I know. The car is leaving, whether you're in it or not. <laughs> come on now. Just real people here. Don't confuse the scene for the story. God is preparing stuff and he's, he's wanting you to move beyond just this scene. If you don't like the current scene of your life, realize it's a passing, it's a passing thing. The scene will change. But if you stay stuck to this scene and we stay stuck because we want to be in it or we stay stuck because we think injustice was done unto us so that we're in it. Look, I grew up poor. I didn't even have electricity in my, in, my, in my senior year. I had to study for my matric uh, exams and things uh, with, with uh, um, what do you call these, um, propane-like lights and candles and things. I could have taken that and gone like, well, you know, woe is me, my life is so bad. Um, but I thought to myself, you know what, this is the very last time ever in my whole life that I'm going to do something under this type of light. And this book here in front of me is my way out under this light. I took control and I made sure that I could move on. But see, nobody told me that this wasn't meant to be this way. Nobody told me that, you know what, it was, it, it, you're, you're, actually, you're actually being done an injustice because, you know, life is supposed to be different. Life is supposed to be easy. Nobody told me that. No, I had better teachers who prepared me to take up my, 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 my responsibility and start moving. So how do you keep moving forward when you're in this point of the middle? Number one, remember that growth is in the middle. Growth is in the middle. We are called to continuous change. Listen to what Ephesians 4, 15 to 16 says. Instead speaking the truth and love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. And from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Twice it's mentioned here that growth is required for the desired outcome to come to place, to come to pass in your life. God is calling us to perpetual growth, not just seasonal growth. Look at me, some of you gave your lives to Jesus and you went like, Lord, I want a relationship with you. But then you parked. Great, I have a relationship with Jesus. I am saved. That's just step one in a thousand. 
God wants you to continue stepping, continue stepping, continue growing. Because as you continue to do so, you become more like Him. We become more like Him. So here's my advice to you. Don't get too comfortable in your walk with God. Push yourself out into the in, outside of your comfort zone. It's outside of your comfort zone that the middle makes sense. But the minute you step into that illusion of comfort, everything is supposed to work out now because I gave my life to Jesus. All of a sudden, all hell's going to break loose around you. Why? Because you would not have been prepared for the things that are going to come. Life is going to happen. And it's going to happen fast. And if you thought everything was just going to be comfort and easy, then you're gravely mistaken. And you'll be caught by surprise in so many ways. No, you are called to perpetual growth. You are called to continuous journeying with Jesus. Don't get to comfort. Being outside of your comfort zone make change, uh, causes you to be able to make changes quickly. If you realize, man, oh, this is just another thing that I'm going to have to deal with. And hey, you know what? God has already prepared me for this. So whatever comes my way, God has prepared me to deal with it. And if not, then he's going to deal with, he's going to train me in the minute that I'm having to deal with it. But his grace is going to be there for me to step through this whole thing. Don't get comfortable. It's a lie. Is there going to be joy? Yes. Is there going to be peace? Yes. They're guaranteed for those who live in the kingdom of God. But don't mistake joy for comfort. And don't mistake peace for comfort. No. There are dispositions in your soul that allows you to actually walk and continue to journey in the midst of challenge, in the midst of heartache, because your soul is taken care of. You're strengthened because the joy of the Lord is your strength. You've got peace, so you have clarity of mind. Sometimes we get so stagnated in you know, the way we've always done it. Well, this is the way my family used to do it. This is the way my dad was. This is the way I am. Hey, God never meant for you to be like that. He has your own journey ahead of you. Well, this is just the way, you know, I, I, you know this is just the way the Boudreaux's are. No. God never meant for all the Boudreaux to be the same. He meant for all the Boudreaux to be like Jesus. Did I say that name like, right? Boudreaux? Boudreaux? Some of you came to OSC. You became part of, a, you became part of something. You started doing something here. And then you parked, got comfortable. God did not mean for you to get comfortable. He means for you to be joyful and peace-filled, but not comfortable. Because comfort is an illusion. It's a lie. This life is never going to be comfortable, where everything is just right according to your perfect desire. It's always going to shift and change. That's the one thing you can expect will happen. The minute you find a place of comfort, the next minute something's going to challenge that. And if you desire to just stay where you are and stay in the place where you are, 
If you don't have that perspective that I need to move on, move forward, life is going to frustrate the mess out of you. But if you are on your tippy toes, if you're adjusting, if you're, if you're ready to respond to whatever life throws at you, when it comes this way, you're going to duck right. And when it comes that way, you're going to duck left. But it's going to be constant movement. You know what? There is rest in rhythm. God does not want you to rest in complacency. We think, oh, I need a break. I need to rest. No, no, no. You need rhythm. How do these guys end up who are able to run so far? How do they end up running so far? They find a rhythm that's healthy for them. And then they can just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. But if you, if you dart this way and you're like, oh, you know, I'm going to oh, look at you to try to, and, 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 and now you sprint and now you, I mean, you're going to be exhausted. And you're going to want to go and sit on the bench. Oh, my leg. I need a drink. <laughs> you need rhythm. But rhythm is movement. When you're tired, don't stop moving. Just find rhythm. But keep moving. Don't sink into that place of comfortability because it's difficult to change from there and life will frustrate you because it will challenge that place the whole time. And you'll be challenged in here for it and think that there's something wrong with this place. No, it's just because you're sitting still and this place is moving. That's the only reason why you're frustrated or offended. But this place can't stop moving because God is moving. And we want to stay in step with Him. It's like a dance. Come on. We need to start dancing again. Ooh, I need to skip a couple of things so I can get into some of the things that I need to share before we're done. The second point we need to remember is that there's growth in the middle first. Second one is that there is grace in the middle. There's grace in the middle. There's, for everybody, there is a, there's a place where we're aiming towards. And then there's the place where we're at. And then there's this gap. Wherever you have gaps, I want you to know that God has grace for that season. There's things that you're waiting to be fulfilled. There's things that you're trusting God for. There's enough grace for you to make it to the, to, the, to, the, to the culmination of that thing. But remember, the culmination of one thing always leads right back into the start of another thing. You see, we have seasons in life, winter, summer, not so much in Louisiana, right? But, you know, in general, the, the world at large, there's, there's you know, fall, uh, winter, uh, spring, and summer, right? There's four seasons, Right now we're experiencing winter, eh, Mal? <laughs> it's just like, right here is winter. But <clears throat> in the kingdom of God, there's just three seasons. There's a new season, there's the middle season, and then there's the due season. When things are due to resolve. But you know what? Every due season, like with a pregnancy, leads into a new season. That's going to have a middle before there's a due season. I can ship them off to college and, you know, let them take care of themselves. 
Right, because that's how it works, right? <laughs> no, because <laughs> that new season leads to a new season. Just three seasons in the kingdom of God. Where are you at? Some parts of your life you're in due. Some parts you're in new. Some you're in middle. But that's always going to remain in flux. But there is grace for these gaps. There is enough grace for these gaps. God will work with you. He will work in you. He's going to develop you. But you've got to stay moving. Um, sometimes we feel like, man, I cannot do this. Look, it's simply because you're believing wrong about yourself. When you change what you believe about you, you can change what you do, what you're able to do. If you don't see yourself through God's grace, you will not change. Why? Because you have to see yourself as you are in Him. That's the beauty of grace. Grace wants us to grow, God wants us to grow into full maturity. And the grace of God allows us to see ourselves as that while we're walking toward that. The grace of God allows me to hold an opinion about myself. I am redeemed. I'm no longer a sinner. I am saved. I am forgiven. It allows me to hold that opinion even though it is not yet my true reality. It allows me to see myself in Jesus as I am in Christ, even though I'm still struggling to make that happen every single day. But no matter how many times I fail, my, my permission to be called a child of God doesn't go away. That's what the Bible says. For those who are in Christ, they have become new creations. Old past, new has come. What is the new? I am a child of God. For those who believe they've been given the right to be called children of God. I can see myself as a child of God. Even though I still disobey, even though I still fail. My permission is set in Jesus' work, not in my own performance. But it's when I see myself as perfect that I end up becoming more perfect. When I believe right, I end up living right. Believing right leads to right living. And so I have to continuously remember that there's grace in this season for me to see myself who I really am. So that I might respond right to the challenges that are coming around me. And I might not believe the, tr the, the lie that it wants me to just settle and accept that. I want to invite somebody right now to come and share her story of how she stopped settling for what the season and the lie, the, 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 the lie that, God, that Satan wanted to do her to believe that kept her stuck in something um, that stopped believing that and what it led to. Natalie, come and join me in the front here. I need a mic for Natalie. I'm going to use this one here. Okay. So we all give it up for Natalie. Just give her some encouragement. She's really nervous, but I told her it's natural. So... You know Natalie. Natalie is an incredible blessing in our church. She sings. You know she um, she, uh, she 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 leads us in, in, into the presence of God in worship. But to behind the scenes, she you know is starting to become more and more a you know like a like like the the runner of the church. She makes sure that the system takes over. She keeps me straight and and uh, and doing well. And she is just an incredible blessing. A, uh, above that, she's also a, um, a leader in our youth ministry um, and our young adults ministry. And so she's just doing so many things. But this is the, the now. 
I wanted to share a little bit, Natalie, just a short season ago. Just call out some dates and just explain to us where you were at um, just a short while ago. But not a short while ago, but just a year, a year and a half ago. Um, so about pretty much a year ago, um, in January of 2021, um, I began, well, I'd always really struggled with anxiety and depression. But in January of 2021, it began to get really, really pretty really bad um, I'll be honest and that was the first time that I began to really contemplate wanting to take my life um, I had kind of planned it in my head what I was gonna do um, and I was just really in a dark season of life and just lost hope in a lot of things I'd known that God had called me to ministry when I was in 11th grade but then I began to doubt what he um, told me and so I began to believe all of the lies that people have told me that I wasn't good enough um, that God wasn't going to use me in ministry and began to believe it and just kind of fell into that pit um, pretty far and it was a really really tough journey because um, I didn't really tell anyone I kind of just masked it and pretended for a really long time um, and people would always ask me, are you you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just tired. I didn't sleep well last night. Or, you know, like, I'm not feeling good. It's fine. Like, I'm, I'm fine. And so I'd show up to every event so people wouldn't know that um, I was struggling. I would show up on a Sunday even though I literally contemplated in my head, like, we, I really don't want to get up. I'm just going to text and be like, look, I'm not feeling good. I really don't want to leave worship this morning. You know, it's not a good idea. Um, but I'd still show up because I didn't want anyone to think anything differently mm. than what I was going through. And so um, it took a really long journey to, like, get here, obviously. Um, oh, well, before you go there, before you go there, there, there was a couple of times where, where people really just intervene in your life. Oh, just, yeah. you know, uh, some of our church family, just, just explain some of what happened, how you were confronted with, with some of the, the lies and the truths that you needed to hear. Um, so I had met with Esther pretty much since they moved um, into Crowley in 2020. And I met with her regularly, and she would share a lot of the things. And I just like, yeah, I get it. And I'd give her, like, the Sunday school answer and what someone else told me of that. Um, and I just gave her that answer. And I didn't really trust her. I didn't really trust um, Pastor JJ either. I had a lot of church hurt um, from when I was in middle school and high school and even um, after high school. Um, I had someone really, really close to me just continue to, like, tell me lies and make everything my fault, and it was a really, really tough season, and so it was really hard for me to trust them, and so they would tell me all these things, and I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever, and just constantly would worry that, like, they're just using me for my abilities, because um, that's kind of what I was used to, and so there was one point in January of 2021 <laughs> where they had invited me to an all-staff in Lafayette where all of like the staff and all of our Savior's Church go and there was a pastor there and he talked about like I felt like he was literally just like talking straight at me and so I was just kind of like don't look at me and so he was talking about how you know the more we like keep stuff hidden inside and not bring it to the light the more we're giving the enemy power over that thing mm -hmm. that we're hiding and he just kept saying it over and over again, like, you need to bring it to the light. Like, how are these, how are people supposed to help you if they don't know what's going on? And I was like, okay, God, I, I get it. Like, I get it. And so I met with Esther the next week, and 
when I tell you, like, I just blurted it all out. Like, she was one of the first people besides, like, my parents that I told. I was like, look, like, I fought really, 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 really hard. Like, I wanted to take my own life. And, like, I planned it and everything. I even thought about what I was going to, like, write in my suicide note of, like, what I was going to tell people. And, like, just was tired of feeling like I was just a burden and disappointment. And I cried. I mean, like, ugly cried on that couch. Just, like, tears falling down, snot and everything. But, like, after that, it was just... It opened a whole nother door of just being able to, you know, like trust her and share things. And then, you know, I would, it would get good for a moment. And then we drop back down and have like a really hard time. And I, I mean, some of you know him, but Dustin Lister, who used to be um, the youth director here, I was really close to him and would talk to him about stuff. And he, he looked at me and he said, look, there's so much that I can do. He's, he said, you either you either make an appointment with a counselor and you talk about these issues and you focus on yourself or I'm going to bring you to the hospital to get help. And I was like, I'm calling the counselor. Like, I'm not going. And so, you know, he stayed on my butt about, like, did you call? Did you make an appointment? You know, and then, like, Esther would sit with me and she would remind me, okay, what is God saying about you, like, over and over and over again? And, like, JJ, like, there's multiple people that I surrounded myself with that would constantly remind me of what God was doing in me and through me. Mm. And so there was a particular sermon um, during some of the, during last year where um, I challenged everybody to continue their fight, to not give up the fight, not to settle in what their challenge is, whether it's addiction, whether it's an emotional thing, whether it's, you know, a relationship that has gone bad, etc. to not just settle for the outcome. Okay, this is how it's going to be for the rest of my life, but to re-engage the fight and to, to trust Jesus. And Natalie responded to, to that and other things from her friends, from leaders to to say all right good i am gonna stop believing that this is where i should be this is where life has brought me and there is no way out and she, she got unstuck in a huge way and then um <clears throat> you know we we would try to put some weight on her and it would freak her out entirely she would go into a complete breakdown then we would take the weight back off of her and we say all right good don't worry about it we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go another round of trying to figure out how to get you healthy, how to get you healthy. And so we had to talk about the, the, the words she used, how she identified, how she herself, how she described herself. She defined herself according to her issues, not according to Christ. And she was, we would always talk, talk about her anxiety and her depression and my this and my that. And we had to challenge her to say that kind of language does not lead to unstuckness. You, there's a difference between anxiety and anxiousness, and not all anxiousness is anxiety. Anxiety is a disorder. Don't call it over yourself. And so, so many times I had to say, no, 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 not your anxiety. Just, I am feeling anxious. Oh, I have anxiety. That's fine. If you do have anxiety and then that's a reality, then that's okay to say it. But don't say, uh, you know, my, don't own it. Because she got comfortable in the struggle. Believe it or not, the struggle became her friend. She depended on the struggle for help and attention and love. She didn't know she could get that without that. And the more we try to tell her, Natalie, we want you for you. We want to love you for you. Not for how we can help you. Not for what you can do for us. But for who you are as an individual. The more it started breaking open that realization that, man, this is more, this is more than just you know, where I need to be. 
Pick your own wife, bro. This one's mine. <laughs> Sorry, I just added to Martin. I love you, bro. <laughs> what she's spoken for. <laughs> and so in that, um, some of this even required medication. And so she had to go on an excruciating journey of figuring out medication. And look, we're not against medication. We believe in all forms of healing, and we believe in the combination of some of these forms of healing. Right? But the bottom line is, she had to step forward. She had to try a regime of medication that didn't work, and it left her literally almost feeling dead again. And then, through prayer, through trust, through trying, not giving up, realizing it's not supposed to be where I settle, I'm supposed to move through this, she found good medication and it's helped her immensely. But she's also had a safe environment where she could fail, where she could go through this whole thing. God's grace is in the middle for everybody that needs to go through what they're going through. But you got to settle in your heart that I'm not staying here anymore. I am not going to stay here anymore. Let me tell you all, this is a miracle, okay? So beginning of last week, I asked her, will you share this testimony? All right? So she's like, I've been feeling the Lord tell me that I need to share it. And so, yes, but I'm freaking out. <laughs> and I said to her, I understand. That's okay. We'll do it in a way that is going to help you. And you'll see, just write down what you want to say. Like you're going to do a speech. Everything that you feel you need to say. And then I'll, I'll call you and I'll give you the opportunity. So this morning, what did you do? <laughs> I texted both JJ and Esther and I was like, man, I'm feeling real anxious right now. I said, I don't know if I can do this. I even had to talk with my mom. I was like, I can't do this. Like, I'm going to throw up. I literally was telling Gabe, I was like, I'm going to throw up right here and right now. Like, I don't like... I can get up there and sing because I've rehearsed, but getting up there here and talk is so hard. I was like, I can't do this. But I made sure that I was like, I'm not going to let the enemy win this one. Mm, and I, come on. And like, there was a part of a song that I had heard, and like I've sang it here before, where like the enemy thought he had me, mm. but Jesus continued to tell me that I was his. And I surrounded myself with people who continued to tell me, you're Jesus's, like he's mm. called you for something great. And no matter what the enemy tells you or what people have told you that is complete lie, like people just continue to speak truth into my life. And I just chose to, like there were so many times that I would go to a life group and I did not want to go. I was like, so like I was, I was angry at one point, just really angry at God, told him a lot of not, not so nice things. And that there were times where I just like would go to this life group where they're all my friends now. And I was just like, wanted to just like rip their heads off. And I was like, I just am so angry at all of you. Like, this is so frustrating. And they were just like having fun and all this stuff and laughing. And I was like, dude, I want to punch you in the face right now. Like you need to calm down. Like I'm not in the mood, but I made the choice to not let the Still enemy win go. and yeah. to stay home and to not surround myself with that mm -hmm. community of people. So just a short while ago, this is what literally would have happened. Okay, not, not punched in the face. The, 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 you know, the throwing up and the checking out. She would have said to me, I'm sorry, I can't do this. I'm out. Yeah. 
But today she didn't. She's realized that there's a difference between being anxious and having anxiety as a sickness, as a disorder. She's realized that she has become healthy. She is overcoming depression. You want to share the little, the little test thing? Oh, so because I'm on like my medicine, I have to go to the doctor and she obviously has to make sure that like ask me probably like seven or so questions and it's rated from zero to 10, like zero being like, you're good to go and 10 being like, yo, we need to put you in a hospital, like something right. And so she asked me all these questions and I answered them. And, and before, how would you score on these tests? Oh, before I would probably be like <laughs> a nine, eight, seven, depending on the day. Mm. And... So she's asking me all these questions, and she's like, you know, I don't usually tell people this, but, like, I'm so excited. You scored a zero. And wow. I was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and she would ask me, like, do you feel like, do you not want to go places? And I was like, no, I want to go. Like, let's go. Like, you want to go to Lafayette? Let's go to Lafayette. Like, it's just made a huge mm -hmm. difference in, like, my want to do things and, like, live mm -hmm. and to continue to stay in that joy and that peace that like God so freely gives me. Um, and I just made the choice to accept it and to invite him in. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Nally. Let's give Nally a huge hand. You're a hero. <laughs> so to summarize that there is grace. When Natalie went through a couple of moments there where, you know, if, if, if as a, if, if, if performance was the measure we all go by, if perfection was the measure we all go by, we would have given up on her. Thought to ourselves, oh my goodness, this girl is never going to be able to do what we need her to do. But that's not what God does. God's in the middle and he gives grace for you to walk through whatever you are walking through. He does. God is in the middle. He is with you in the middle. But you have to walk by faith to see the other side of this middle. To come to due season, you have to step out and trust Him. And trust the people that He puts around you. Trust the church that He puts you in. Look, we're not going to do everything perfect, but we're moving toward things. We're moving through middle to do on a constant basis. And your response determines your destiny. It's how you respond to this truth that determined that she's today sharing and not out there in a bathroom vomiting. It's huge. But each of us, a response is required. Abraham obeyed. Hebrews 11 verse 8 to 9 says, When God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance, he went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. Why did Abraham get Isaac? Not because he was faithful all the time. But because he kept moving with God. He kept saying yes to God. In the meantime, he said yes to a bunch of other things. You know, he married his wife off twice to another guy. He, you know, 
did a whole bunch of real stupid things, but then he also did a couple of good things. In the middle, there's grace. Just keep saying yes to moving forward, saying yes to growth, saying yes to taking more steps with Jesus. Psalm 23 is there. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. Notes he's saying, walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's a walking through. It's not a parking and staying. It's a walking through. You will walk through as long as you say yes to Jesus. Say yes to God. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in time of trouble. So last time, keep growing. In John I don't have the scripture on the table, on the thing, but I want to read this to you. Uh, In John 2, God talks to different people. He talks to children, he talks to young men, and he talks to fathers. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. And I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. Listen to me, grown men, Don't wear nappies. Don't wear diapers. God wants to relate to you differently in different seasons of your growth. But God also expects different responses in different growth seasons. God don't want you to stay a spiritual baby. When you become born again, you are just that, a spiritual child. But God is calling you to become a spiritual father. And forget the gender issue there for a second. It talks about maturity. God wants you to grow through becoming a young man to becoming a father. A child is dependent, always needing, always self-centered, always wanting his. A young man becomes strong and is exploiting, is exploring. A young man is adventurous, wants to achieve things. They're, 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 they're driven. They want to they go forward and accomplish things. Fathers are enjoying the children's uh, uh, growth. And they're taking care of the children. They're givers. They're take care of the caretakers. They're, 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 they're developers. We need every single person in our church to grow from being a spiritual child, to become a spiritual young man, to become a spiritual father. But can you see the more you go from growth, from immaturity to maturity, the less it becomes about you. And the more your joy is found in the success of others, the growth of others, the accumulation of more children. Where are you at? You see, it's appropriate for a child, a baby, to wear a diaper. It's appropriate for a young child to fall the whole time. It's appropriate for, you know, risks to be taken for young men. Victories to be celebrated. Pride to be, to be, to be you know, uh, 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 to be displayed and, 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 and pr- pronounced. Like, look at what we've done. But then fathers come and say, that's good, my son. I'm proud of you. What's next? Fathers saying, it's okay, it's okay, my girl. I hear you. I heard you. I'm here for you. You're protected. Let's stop crying now. 
what can we do next? Fathers come and say, hey, Jeremy, don't you think you want to take that challenge on next? Come on, y'all. Come on. Think about this. Where are you at as a spiritual being? Don't stay stuck. God wants you to grow. God wants you to become mature. And it starts by you saying yes to Jesus. Let's all stand together today. Heavenly Father, we, we realize that there is so much more. <laughs> this adventure is so, so not done. And God, I pray that you will speak to us if we've stagnated. You will speak to us if we've become stagnant, if we've become comfortable. That we might step out again to the, to the destiny, the thing that you are calling us to, Lord God. Lord, each of us here. You have an incredible plan of things you want to release through us. But we need to say yes. If you're going to say yes to Jesus, I want you to lift both your hands up right now. This is a moment of surrender. This is a moment where we say, Lord, we had it wrong. We misunderstood. We thought it should be easy. We thought it should be comfortable. We thought it should be still. We thought we should stand still. We've reached our position. We thought we, we attained it all. Lord God, we repent. We say, Lord, here we are. Send us on our next journey. Send us on our next step, Lord Jesus. I'm saying yes. Some of you might not have said yes to Jesus to step into a relationship with Him. You're still serving Him out of duty. You're still serving Him because you want to try and pay for your sins. There is none of that in the new covenant. He said, I paid all the price. You need to say yes to relationship with me. You need to say yes to accept me as your leader. If that's you, raise both your hands today. Say, yes, Jesus. Here I am, Jesus. Send me. Here I am, Jesus, use me. Show me my next step to grow, Lord God. Lord, help me to, to receive your joy and your peace in the middle of the struggle, in the middle of the hardship. Show me how I can live in the kingdom in the midst of living in my situation. Your word is always true about us. Father, help us change our perspective about ourselves. Help us stop, to, stopping, uh, stop wrongly defining ourselves. Well, this is just simply who I am. This is just, no, no, no. This is just who you've become till now. But you can become way more. Lord, help us to see that we can become way more than where we are right now. Help us to see that we can yet grow into your likeness. That you can yet use us in more things, Lord God. Help us to start striving, Lord Jesus. Help us to grow up from being children to being young men with a passion to achieve things for you, Jesus. Help us to grow up from being young men to start sharing with people around us and see more children come up. Help us to become fathers, Lord God. Fathers who, who spend, their, spend their energy, spend their finances, spend their resources on raising up more children who will become young men. God, help us to grow. Lord, help us to grow, Jesus. Help us to grow. Help us to grow to become like you. We pray that in your name. Amen and amen.